This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. It's Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast where it's week four and we're previewing week four. It's our c- a continuation of our series. Griff and I joined by a very exciting guest to look at Seahawks at Giants Monday Night Football. A manager of research and analytics at NFL Next Gen Stats, Keegan Abdu. Previously worked with UCLA Football and Sports Info Solutions and also a New York Giants fan. Keegan, how's it going? It's going well. You know, just in the thick of things, early season, international games start this week. So start of some weird scheduling and then it's only going to get worse. But, you know, it's all good. It's all fun. International games. My my Super Bowl, obviously. Yes, of course, Matty. Right. You ever make it to any of those? I, I used to. They were good fun. I watched uh, Colin Kaepernick do terrible things to the Jaguars defense. Nice. Like, really, really bad things. Like, oh, you got to like see that live. plus points. It was like peak hardball. Yeah. It was very cool. Wow. Yeah. I, I actually went to the Falcons-Lions game at Wembley in 2014, I believe, and it might have been the worst football game I've ever seen. <laughs> was, I think I was at that game. Didn't that no end, end on a, a Matt Prater field goal? Yeah, it was the but one also where, like, some terrible clock management at the end. Terrible from, clock uh, management. There was a third and short wide receiver screen that Julio dropped that gave the ball back to the Lions. Um, that's that's right. Right. That Is game. that Mike Smith? Mike Smith just like sh- like pooing his pants? I think it was Mike Smith, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. Look at us now. Who would have thought? <laughs> Griff, ever been to an international game? No, sir. I've uh, only uh, homegrown American boo. games. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe I should get out. 
sometime and do that. Yeah. So, Keegan, how did you become a New York Giants fan? You are a New York Giants yeah. fan, right? So, yeah. I grew up in uh, Jersey, about 20 minutes from the stadium, uh, North Jersey. And honestly, like, my dad was kind of like both teams so i feel like it could have went either way but uh the feagles family moved to our town jeff feagles former seattle seahawk actually um when i was in fourth grade and blake uh his son became one of my best friends jeff was on the giants for about 10 years after that and we just became best family friends went to the games with them all the time so i was all in on the giants you know fourth grader meeting an nfl player i was like oh my god absolutely so that's how it started. Um, and I've been a Giants fan ever since. It's been really great. You know, it was great for growing up. Won a Super Bowl when I was in eighth grade and my senior year of high school. Uh, doesn't get much better than that timing-wise. And uh, last five or six years have been rough. But Yeah, yeah the, uh, the the Eli years were – that's quite the uh, quite, quite the stretch to, to experience. I'm sure – did you idolize uh, Eli growing up? Oh, I loved Eli. I yeah. think I think by the time I was in high school, I realized like you know, Eli's not right. the most consistent quarterback, or mm -hmm. you know, maybe <gasps> not necessarily a Hall of Famer based on his play, but based on the moments that he's been in, and you know, those two Super sure. Bowl runs. Like, I'm all in on the Eli Hall of Fame campaign. I'm not going to yeah. hate on that. Yeah, yeah let's yeah. not get sacrilegious. This yeah, guy's exactly. a bona fide Hall of Famer. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Love the attitude, Maddie. Yeah, I like uh, so Keegan on Twitter at Keegan Abdu. Uh, make sure you follow him. Profile, well, head not profile picture. God damn it, header picture is Eli Manning with Daniel Jones. Yes, it is. That's kind of copy, no? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. You know, it was it was a great picture of them. I think uh, that was my Slack picture for a while. I just changed it to a really funny picture of Daniel Jones from the comeback where he. Uh, Looks a little disheveled and his tongue's out. Uh, maybe I'll show you to that too. I don't pay too much to the Twitter attention to the Twitter these days, but you know, maybe it's up due for an upgrade. But I will say, shout out to uh, Griff's header picture. I think that's the greatest one I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Nick Saban had a short stint teaching political science at uh, at Michigan State. People, a lot of people don't know that. A, a lot um, of people don't. A yeah. lot of people don't. Yeah, you know, you should, we shouldn't judge a book by his cover. You know, you wouldn't, you you wouldn't extract from his, you know, tenor and, and uh, demeanor and press conferences that he leaned that way. But you know, so. I mean, he was at he was at Kent State like during the Kent State <laughs> that's, game, right? That's so, right. Yeah, it, it, that that must have uh, lasted with him. Yeah, he he might be radicalized. Um, <laughs> he might be the most left leaning public official in the state of Alabama, at least. Well, I think that's pretty, pretty obvious. I mean, if he ran for Cong uh, for Senate, like he, he probably wins, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Regardless of uh red or blue. Right. right. Yeah. Most right. any state, you know, not, yeah. we're not just talking Alabama here. We're talking red and blue, like you said. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you alluded to it, but just general overview of the, the giants this year that they had that, kind of fun comeback against uh, the Cardinals, which was crazy. The Cardinals then beat the Cowboys. So it's like, oh, maybe maybe that meant something more. But uh, the the Giants did lose to the 49ers, as I think people predicted. But then it was kind of close. But uh, are things miserable, Keegan? I'd say things are pretty miserable. But uh, to be fair, I think we've played the two of the three best 
um, teams in the NFC, at least, if not the league, especially from a defensive perspective. Like, I mean, the offensive issues, especially with missing Andrew Thomas for both games, um, Daniel Jones definitely invites some pressure on himself, but like going against the Cowboys and the 49ers pass rush in two of your first three games, it's a pretty tough start. Yeah, absolutely nasty. Um, on Daniel Jones, we, we're, we're really curious about him. Like Pete Carroll mentions his mobility uh, and how that's a challenge. I know Griff wants to kind of speak about uh, how the run game can help young quarterbacks coming out. Like if you have mobility, it can really kind of hide some weaknesses or, or be an advantage for you as you kind of acclimatize to the league as well. Um, how How is he doing in, what is it now, year three? Four? He's in year six, I think. He was wow. he was drafted in he got pe- 2019, so and he got a mini year five, like a like a fake deal, did he? Yeah, he got a two year deal. That's it's pretty expensive. If they were they can't really move on from him next season without a sixty nine right. million dollar dead cap or something. So yeah, yeah, I mean. I thought Jones was, you know, he was great last year for what he is. Um, I think he can be, you know, that 14th, 15th best quarterback in the league if everything's going right. Um, I mean, they've really built the offense around his mobility last year, uh, and Mm -hmm. they were able to be super, like, consistent, staying ahead of the chains, had a very high success rate. But, you know, with the lack of speed – their weapons last year they just had i think one of the least explosive offenses by explosive plays and over the past decade like they had maybe 18 all year so um they went outside a bunch of guys uh you know bring in darren waller draft jalen hyatt sign paris campbell bring back darius slayton so they definitely had an emphasis on speed this offseason so far we've only really seen that second half of uh the cardinals game with it paying off right i was going to ask on the early returns on hyatt obviously there was a lot of talk about his usage in college and how that applied to the nfl with kind of the limited route tree but in a straight line he's he's fast he's a tough cover especially if you can get him a free release so how do you see that marriage with daniel jones um going in, in the future um so like hyatt so far has been like a pure field stretcher and mm-hmm. they actually, he's actually had two deep receptions, both of which came in that second half. Um, I think like it's good to have him there taking off the top of the defense. He definitely has a long way to develop playing in that super spreader offense. But I mean, yeah, among players with uh, at least 20 routes this season, he's averaged the highest max speed um, on his routes of 17 miles per hour. So that's directly translated. He's running, this is kind of ridiculous. His average route depth is 24 yards this year. Wow. <laughs> which is like absurd. Um, yeah, yeah. Also the highest in the league. I think he's the only one over 20 yards. Um, and only DJ Moore has run more deep routes, which is, you know, reaching over 20 yards than yeah. Hyatt. And Hyatt's ran about 60 yard routes fewer than DJ Moore. So clearly being used in that role, I'd like to see them maybe get him the ball underneath a little bit and see what he can do with some yak. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's an exciting little addition. We'll see, you know, as he acclimates more, you know, if that can translate to some actual production and more of a full-time role, but yeah. 
Sure. Yeah, Griff and I, when when Hyatt was coming out, we we were like, this this guy is kind of a weird one because obviously the offense he's coming from, it's all these like super wide max splits and then like just vertical choice routes. And it's like, how does that translate to the NFL? Um, that it's interesting that underneath part of his game's yet to be kind of unlocked. And the excellent Next Gen Stats press packet that you, you've put together for us, well, not for us personally, but you shared with us. It would be nice every week. Can we have one of them? Um, but uh, it's interesting to me that the Giants uh, face uh, press coverage 25.9% uh, of the time, which is the the sixth most in the league. Like Teams aren't backing off up from them. Uh, now, I know there's a lot of mitigating factors there, like maybe they're not, stacking receivers up maybe yeah. you know maybe uh they're, they're playing defenses that like playing off uh, it's only three weeks into the season but uh you know the rest of the receiver group like it seems all, all i've seen from it is is hyatt's a burner you mentioned some of the names they've, they've drafted but uh again from from that packet that you shared with us their yards per play in 11 personnel so three wide receivers out on the field uh is 31st in the league at four yards per play um so are all the other receivers just what? Or Yeah, I mean, they've really tried to build the plane out of slot guys this offseason. They have Sterling Shepard, Wandale Robinson, Paris Campbell, Darren Waller might as well be a slot receiver. Like, right. It was an interesting strategy. Um, like, I think Slayton and Hodgins are solid players, but you just don't want them to be your number one outside guy. They really lack a true X. Um which limits the offense in a lot of ways, I would say. Also, just in general, I think the offense, as I kind of alluded to earlier, like missing Andrew Thomas, two pass rushes. Daniel Jones, when he's dropped back to pass, like he's had a defender on his in his lap when he hits the back of his drop, like way too often to have mm. a consistent offense. <laughs> That's just really throwing them off. Yeah. Uh, back to Darren Waller, like my stock perception of him is is when he was rattled off a couple of thousand yard seasons for the Raiders. But uh, I didn't really realize he's like three years removed from that. Now, obviously, he's been hurt. I think that's been his biggest issue. But at 31, just from what you've seen in, in the first few weeks of the season, how much does he look like his kind of his peak elite self? I think uh, he actually looks very similar to it. Um so this is a super interesting stat that I looked up when they first acquired him. He's led the league in average route speed among all tight ends in now four consecutive seasons. Still wow. leads the NFL this year. Uh, he's the only guy to average over 13 and a half miles per hour. He's up in the 14 somewhere on his routes. And uh, Noah Fant, your guy, is actually second in that. Um, really? Huh. In that metric. Uh, he's also like really over the past few years, like, been able to beat man coverage and even this season he's earning targets against man coverage his target rate against man is like 25 percent, which is you know really good for a tight end uh it's just i just don't think the connection's been there with um jones i mean he's sprayed a lot of the targets that he's thrown his way um and you can see i mean i feel like waller's been a little frustrated um again the offense in general is such a mess it's hard to blame right. Waller for that and I'm hoping that you know over these next few weeks they can really start to mesh a little bit more because he is de facto the number one receiver right in our offense uh, one other thing I found with Waller um when I was uh researching for this pod that I think you guys will like so he aligns detached from the formation on over half of his plays and mm. defenses treat him kind of as that tweener uh right position so 
when the Giants have went 12 personnel, uh, defenses have matched base on just 24% of plays. They've actually matched with dime, so six defensive mm. backs, more than they've matched with base, uh, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and it's about half the league average, 50% generally is how much you'll match base to 12. Um, so that, I thought that was super interesting when it came to right. that. So, that is very interesting, especially yeah. because, I mean, Seattle – they want to run nickel or, or even dime as much as they can get away with. Like if, if Waller's that kind of detached from the line of scrimmage guy and it's 12, like I, I think you're going to get nickel and you're probably going to get a situation where uh, Waller's getting matched up on like a Jamal Adams. And then it's, is Jamal Adams going to blitz in his first game back of the 2023 season? Yeah. Or, or is he going to play some coverage or, you know, is Julian Love going to uh, get matched up with Waller? Very interesting. Like, Again, thanks to that packet you shared with us, I see the Giants using 12 personnel to third most and 33.5% of snaps, which is like really, really high. Um, yeah, that, that seems, seems to be where the game's won or lost for me from a Seattle perspective. Like we've spoke on this pod about how it, when, they're in, when they're in the base look, uh, that there's conflict. You can get these curl flat defenders who are asked to fit the run and play like force and set the edge, but also play like carry a wheel route back. If you could get like Seattle in base um, and then you could get a, a wheel route from higher on a on, like jet motion into it, maybe I think that's, and you run off the corner of a, a post route. I think that's where success comes for the giants, but I don't know if Seattle's going to play base for that reason. Right. Right. That, that, that's super interesting. I think that uh, especially with all the bootlegs and stuff the Giants do, like if they were able to get the guys in base, they could hit an exposed for a team that way. Whether it's Hyde or anyone, like they have a pretty versatile group, at, even if they're all slot guys, you know, like they can line up all over the formation, uh, at least if they're not wide. But um, that that's definitely interesting. I, I will say Julian Love, former Giant, um, I, I was – Sad to see him go. I thought he was a very plus player, but he struggled in coverage by the numbers this he, year. He still had the most EPA of any uh, safety so far. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he had a good second half against the Panthers, so maybe things are turning, but yeah, yeah. it's been rough. And just overall, like the Giants, uh, again, I'll, I'll stop saying this. Any any data used in here, unless I disclose it, is next-gen stats, thanks to Keaton. So make sure you, <laughs> you, you check that out. Um, but that, the Giants... Offense average pass EPA for play 29th in the league, and then the Seahawks defense average pass EPA allowed 29th in the league. So something has to give, or they're both gonna be crap, and and it's just gonna be a just terrible mess. Just, a, just um, pig slot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Keegan, I had a question. So with with um, defenses effectively treating 12 personnel like it's 11, and then connecting that to the Giants having an extremely high pass rate in general this year, uh, at least looking at early down neutral state from uh, rbsdm.com, which is a great resource. And I'm sure you've got access to, to pass rates as well. Um, and then with the the pass, passing game perhaps not being as efficient as they want, do you think Dable and or Kafka have a desire to, to vary their tendency up when they are in 12 just to try to get different uh, defensive behavior so that they can get more favorable looks, either you know, influencing personnel um, or things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, I think they'd love to if you know if Saquon's back, but right. Matt Rita and Gary Brightwell isn't exactly like a scary run duo unless they're really using Jones in the, uh, the run game and like he's been 
he was great last year. This year, the design runs have not really been there for Jones. I mean, mm. been very. It hasn't. He hasn't had a lot of opportunity because of game script. To be fair, but true, uh, true. it just hasn't had the same juice. Um, so I, I think we'll see. But yeah, I, it would be nice for the Giants to like commit to the run a little bit. You know, get ahead, keep it ahead of the sticks, and then hit an explosive off a of play action. Um, I will say in the second half comeback, which was super interesting because when you're down, you know, 28 to three, you are 28 to seven. You're usually not leaning into the play action game, but it's right. play action on like over three quarters of their dropbacks in the comeback. And mm-hmm. that's where Jones had almost all of his production. So like, again, a very, that was like a, a nice thing to see from this offensive call staff, like not giving up on play action, actually like using it more when you were down. So if they can, you know, tie the run game to that, I think that's a good option for success later. And like, you know, you draw up a mass max protection and get Hyatt on a deep route, hopefully mm-hmm. break, break one. Hey, Se- sure. Seattle might have um, Bobby Wagner having to turn and run with that. So oh, no. there's definitely, it could be viable. Although I think they have some, with, with Adams back and how they can send them off the edge into the teeth of bootlegs, which is what, They'll, right. they'll do if they get that kind of look along yeah. with um Nuosi's pretty good at reading out whether it's a, a boot to his side and getting pressures like that uh that that fascinates me i think it's, it's surely it's obvious that that's that's how the giants need to attack seattle but when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We, we will see. Um, on that point, where are you at with Brian Dable? Because he was like, he was red hot as a, like a hype candidate. Did a great job last year. Uh, you know, team outperformed expectations, right? Or, or did they? Uh, and, and then where are you at with him now? Because it's been a rough start. And if this game... I mean, the Giants are favored by 1.5, which is kind of nuts to me. But uh, if this game does go the way of Seattle, it'll be a really tough start to the season, like 1-3. and, three, um, and One and 3 heading into Miami and Buffalo. Yeah. It's just rough. <laughs> um, so, like, with Dable, I've I've heard some, like, some things. That I, ha- I can't confirm any of this, so excuse my ignorance here. But I've heard there's been, like, some taking away, taking back of play calling and then giving it back. So that – it's never really a good sign, uh, especially because Kafka and Wink were like such like sought after candidates this offseason. It just hasn't been there. Again, I do think the competition has been really tough um, and there's been injuries. So I, I hate to blame it on this coaching staff, which I think is one of the deepest in the league. But um, clearly, like 
they were not ready for week one. They, you know, came out slow against the Cardinals. And then just, I think we're, I think they did a lot, everything they could against the uh, Niners, but we're just overwhelmed talent wise. Um, I, I wouldn't be throwing up because we overperformed so much last year. I wouldn't be that worried about underperforming where I don't even know if it's necessarily underperforming other than the scores of these games. Um, you know, I don't think anyone expected them to beat Dallas or the 49ers, at least sure. if they had a realistic view of this roster. Yeah. Drift, are we done with the, the, the Giants offense or should we, uh, and Dable, or should we move to the defense? Um, yeah, I, th- I think we can. Well, okay, actually, no, no, I got, I got one point. So actually, I want to, I want to wind it back to uh, the Darren Waller discussion. Um, I just, I think that's a really interesting double-edged sword when you, when you talk about, or the double-edged sword for mobile quarterbacks, um, getting that tall possession tight end, because it's good for, I think, the the mobile quarterbacks who have a hard time staying in the pocket, because it, I think, their presence, it locks them into the structure more. Kind of the mm-hmm. best I ever saw Russell Wilson in the pocket at a gun, or at least one of his best periods is when he was throwing to Jimmy Graham. So it was good for Russ, but it wasn't necessarily good for Jimmy in terms of getting his volume yardage. So the the uh, the Jones to Waller, if it works out, I mean, it, I can kind of see that being the same scenario. If Waller's 100%, he can suit up for every game and he stays healthy. He may not have his his most productive productive year, but then – Theoretically, you could also see Jones operating out of the pocket, maybe better than he ever ha- better than he ever has. Uh, but it's kind of moot at this point because there's there's so much else on that roster that isn't going right at the moment with injuries and everything, and trying to figure things out. But that's something as a neutral observer, and not just for this game ahead of the, um, with the Seahawks, um, that I'll be interested in seeing if, if that kind of that kind of plays out. Um, yeah, because it's like you can call the plays, but I, I really feel like personnel can affect kind of those high variance process QBs more than more than anything else really. Um yeah, it's more of an idle comment, but if you had any follow-up thoughts, um uh, go for it. Yeah, I mean my only real thought in terms of like how I thought they were going to use Waller and I don't know if they've used him this much, but like they have used him a lot on crossers. Um mm-hmm. and like last year I know there was this play that they just hit over and over and over again where it was a Jones bootleg and then Daniel Bellinger running across the formation and he's there for an outlet. And I think on bootlegs and, and play action, like Daniel Jones air yards per attempt was like under four. Cause it was mm. all of those just dump offs. Yeah. And you would hope that someone like Waller could be like a guy that you actually want to get the ball in space like that too. And like, he can create some yak opportunities. I haven't seen it that much so far. Um, but again, it's hard to run bootlegs and play and play action when you're down. 40 points for sure points 28 points so again it it will be really interesting to see saquon back hopefully next week andrew thomas back and hopefully a little bit better game scripts uh what this offense really wants to be yeah on the subject of game scripts uh my last thing with the offense would be uh, you you kind of mentioned how the offensive line is poor like obviously it doesn't help when teams are expecting pass or you know skewing towards pass with the game script aspect but uh you know is this and obviously and andrew thomas um being hurt but is this offensive line poor or like is it also again we're familiar with the the mobile quarterback phenomenon phenom thing subject <laughs> um <laughs> 
is it is it like exacerbated by Daniel Jones's mobile style as well? Or is this offensive line really bad? Or yeah, what's the kind of balance? I don't know if it's necessarily Jones's mobility that leads him to hold on to the ball versus pressure. I think it's more of like a Ryan Tannehill thing where he just mm. wants to like either doesn't sense pressure, which can mm. be good and bad. Um, it was really bad for his rookie year when he had all those fumble problems, but it also can be good when he stands in the pocket and delivers. Uh, and like you just see constantly every single season, Daniel Jones has been a top five pressured quarterback. Like the offensive line has gotten better with Andrew Thomas becoming a stud. It still has issues. I mean, you saw that week one, Golonski was benched after allowing four sacks. No guard is allowed four sacks in a game going back to 2018 for in our database. Um, yeah, that was really tough. They had Micah Parsons going on the inside and just <laughs> demolishing him. Uh, Evan, Evan Neal allowed 18 pressures in the first two games this season, which was, you know, just giving us horrible flashbacks to Eric Flowers. Uh, one, one thing I will say uh, with Evan Neal is he did hold his own last week, only allowed two pressures and uh, none on his matchups with Joe with Nick Bosa. So, that was That's, good and very promising to see. We'll see if that can continue. But, um, yeah, they just don't really have a great interior. I mean, they drafted the guy second rounder center this year, um, Michael Schmitz or whatever mm-hmm. his name is. He's been okay. Um, John Jacob Jingles Hammer Schmidt. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I think um, it just still has a long way to go in terms of pass protection and it's kind of a self vicious cycle of Jones holds the ball too much and he doesn't get the protection up front. Right. Is there, is there a da- any data lens or data perspective with regards to drafting centers, rather drafting them high or the development curve? Um, Cause it seems like there are good centers that hit the market every year quality, not the elite ones, but like yeah. that top eight to 15 range that signed for a million or, or two. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I'm not familiar with any, but it will be yeah. interesting to see, uh, now that we have this pressure data that we can assign to for sure offensive linemen, how we can, you know, project onto that uh, again, run blocking is a whole different animal and setting protections too is something that data will never be able to get. Um, so sure. yeah, let's, let's talk about pressure probability now. So sure. Keegan has a exciting, well, I don't think this is the official announcement, but it, he can it was certainly explain <laughs> next-gen stats, a pressure probability to us on the subject of pressure. So, Keegan, pressure charting for us, where we, when we look at the pressure stuff, like we, we look at pressure percentage, which is, I mean, it's pretty subjective. Um, uh, I am disillusioned with pressure data generally, so this sounds very exciting. Yeah, so... Um... I can tell you what our pressures used to be, which was just distance-based logic. Did you get within two yards of the quarterback over the course of the drop back? Um, That had a lot of issues. You know, doesn't it take into effect what the quarterback, uh, how the quarterback reacts to pressure? So, like, for instance, Kyler Murray, because he's so twitchy and fast, he would always have, like, a bottom five pressure rate because he would always be able to escape the pocket and no guy would ever get within two yards of him. Now we better are much better able to encapsulate that by building this model that is trained on, you know, 90,000 passing plays over the past five seasons. You know, we take the ground truth um, charting data and we are able to, you know, feed that into a model that takes into account a bunch of things, including, you know, how the quarterback is moving in regards to uh, the 
pass rusher, how many blockers are in their path to the um, quarterback uh, for every tenth of a second, which is, you know, the, the accuracy of our data. So you can see not only, you know, instead of just looking at a binary with pressure, like when does pre uh, did pressure occur on the player? Did a player get within two yards? You can tell how fast is pressure uh, occur? Like when does it occur in the dropback? How long does it occur? So you get the temporal nature of it. And then you mm -hmm. can also tell the magnitude because we have this pressure probability. So we can tell you, you know, this guy had a 90% pressure probability, very high likelihood that he affected the quarterback more than a guy that got a 50% pressure probability. Uh, and the way we, you know, create that into a binary um, is just picking a threshold, which we chose after a bunch of uh, validation work and QA watching uh, plays. But yeah, it's, it's really exciting stuff. And in addition to that, we also built models to better identify pass rushers and pass blockers. Um, so we can tell you, you know, if a running back was chip blocking now, we can tell you, you know, it, which is some great stuff. Uh, additionally, we built a model to uh, assign pass blocking matchups based on the proximity of uh, two players for every timestamp, among a lot of other factors. Um, you know, was there another guy engaged with him? You know, the thing with chips, uh, next gen data is in the shoulder pad so you can't actually tell if the limbs are engaged but we got really really accurate mm. um results so very uh excited about this stuff we can finally evaluate offensive linemen um which is big for tv uh yeah every broadcaster loves doing the sky cam of you know miles garrett versus andrew thomas or whoever it might be and now we can right. get you know how how often did this guy actually get pressure on those matchups and how many matchups were there so it's it's really really unlocked a lot of uh analysis abilities for us in game for sure so so we're exiting the world of it being like a pressure or no pressure binary and entering the world of that granularity being able to determine the quality of the pressure and stuff and i think that will really separate certain pass rushers and pass protectors as well because like you'll see some numbers it's like oh that guy's hitting you know, 18% pressure or whatever, you know, it is. And but and you put him right next to another guy that we all know is better. But you're like, why is that happening? Um, you know, so that will be interesting to allow us to parse the, those, those realities as well. Because some guys might win a certain way, but it may not be in a super valuable way. Right, the hustle guys, uh, the hustle guys are going to get found out now. Right. Yeah, well, well we, we can definitely tell you who got the first pressure on a play. So we can tell you if, you know, someone's coming up on a cleanup sack uh, because they were the, they didn't get a pressure until five seconds into the play. Like right. so it's, it's cool to see that stuff. Um, we can also, it also gives us a uh, pressure probability at snap, which is really interesting because it very, uh, it accounts for your alignment basically. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can uh, expect nose tackles have a lot lower pressure probability at snap than a wide nine. Um, and that's played out in the data and they match like almost uh one-to-one -one population level, but on a play-by-play -play basis, you can tell, you can kind of adjust pressure rate for, um, for your alignment and like your role in the offense and the defense. Mm -hmm. And you'll, you'll be able to see like pass rush games with this as well, won't you? And yeah, so we didn't, um, actually like have a output of a model that is identifying pass rush games but we've we've done so much work with this data now like it's definitely an off-season priority for us next 
year of doing twists and you know games and trying to actually like start classifying blitz schemes i think that would be awesome but yeah it sounds like this is pretty revolutionary for for what you can accomplish not just this year but like it's just going to change yeah how you how we view pass rushes Biff kind of spoke to and what you've explained so yeah, it's, it's it's a great foundation, but then an awesome springboard as well. Like I'm sure every off season you'll be thinking, oh, we can incorporate this, we can do that. You know. Yeah. How can we really... apply this model that we did, we created to um, identify pass rush matchups? To how can how can we ad- identify that for coverage? You know, mm-hmm. like how can we apply these learnings to other parts of the game, which we've done with some of the, our other models in the past? But um, it's really exciting stuff and. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to talk a little bit more about um, these numbers that are brand new for us when we get to the other side of the ball. For sure. Yes, so pass rushing. We're we're on the subject of pass rush, and this Giants defense, uh, Griff Griff in our notes said is in disarray. Um, (laughs) I I would would say that's pretty pretty accurate, at least. It is, but Wink Martindale is supposed to have lots of pass rush and and send the house, and it works. He no. does do that. He does. He, he gets <laughs> at the uh, highest rate in a game in the next gen era on Thursday night. Eighty-four uh, percent of Brock Purdy's dropbacks. Um, wow. Giants are blitzing at the highest rate in, or second highest rate in the league because Brian Flores is also just absolutely sending it. Um, both of those defenses are the only defense would be the only two defenses to blitz on over half their snaps in the next gen era. By the way, which is a fun little note. But the Giants. Um, it has not been good from the pass rushing perspective. They have, they actually underratedly were second in pressure rate last year. Mm. They're 31st this year, 17% point drop off. So it's been just absolutely anemic. Um, what happened there then? Did they, yeah, did well, yeah. they lose people? Or? They haven't really lost people. Like it was, it's just been, it's been three games. So, you know, small sample. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think game script is a part of it you know it's it's hard to pa- hard to pin your ears back when you're losing by a lot and you think yeah. you'll probably get a run on most plays um but you know all all the guys have been underperforming Thibodeau has a f- only three pressures this year and all mm. three of them have been unblocked which is Yikes. really tough um that's actually one thing that was an unfortunate finding of this new pass rush model we can tell you you know was there an unblocked pressure uh and as you can imagine, in Wink Martindale's scheme, who loves to just overload protections and is a wizard with that, uh, that inflated Kayvon Thibodeau's 48 pressures a little bit last year. 11 of them were unblocked. Um, you know, he, he had the second most pressures of any rookie behind Hutchinson. We also had a lot of unblocked pressures, actually. But, um, for the, the <laughs> but yeah, for the record. But it does seem like those were inflated a little bit by Wink's uh, scheme. So that is unfortunate. It's definitely unfortunate. Yeah, well, if we're to accentuate the positive, even though you lose know, the Seahawks podcast and we have a Seahawks slant, I mean, what Dexter Lawrence did last year from the nose tackle position is one of the most incredible defensive lineman seasons we've Absolutely seen. Absolutely insane. He generated 27 pressures as a nose tackle last year. There's never been a nose tackle, a guy – aligned it zero tech that has generated over 20 in a season he had Insane. over double the next closest guy he's actually aligning at nose at an even higher rate as a zero tech this year 
47% versus 35% last year, and he leads the league in those snaps. Um, it has not translated to that much pressure so far. Yeah. Uh, he was actually held without a pressure for his first game since week 13, 2021 on last mm. Thursday night. But um, I will say for what he, he's still getting it, just even with that zero burger game, he's still at 9.5%, which is like still very good yeah. for defensive tackle. Yeah. And uh, where, what has been really promising with sexy Dexy is 8.8% <laughs> defensive stop rate, which is a career high and third in the NFL. So his okay. run defense, like his run defense has always been good. Um, it's just the rest of the run defense that is like really just not had him pop in those numbers as much, yeah. but um, you know, he's more disruptive than ever against yeah. the run game, which is yeah. really good to see. For sure. Yeah, it, it, Evan Brown has had a decent season, right, at center, Griff. Uh, like one of those kind of good, uh, not-too-expensive one-year deal free at free agent centers you were talking about earlier, Griff. But that's going to be a tough test for him. Uh, yeah. Not many centers can hand, uh, handle Dexter Lawrence one-on-one. But I got yeah. some fun uh, pressure numbers for your guys' interior offensive line, at least. Okay. Yeah, it, Brown is uh, struggling, isn't he? No. No, no. Oh, the no, interior no. line has been great. Damian Lewis allowed just one pressure. He's uh, lowest pressure rate among left guards. Phil Haynes is third among right guards at uh, 2.8%. And your guy, Evan Brown, fifth among centers at uh, 2.9%. So Let's go. What, what a matchup. Very strong uh, interior line. Now, the backup tackles, unsurprisingly, have struggled. They've both allowed over a 10% pressure rate. Mm. Um, but hopefully, you know, Cross and if Cross and Lucas can get back and these guys can keep it up on the interior, like you guys might have a top five offensive line by the end of the year. And I think Gino, I think the way Gino behaves in the pocket, yep. um, I, I think that really kind of makes it more viable, especially like with the tackles. Like I think he yeah. can work. They've, from like the eye test, he's been able to work with the protection he's got so far. Um, and, and obviously, you know, you can call plays that uh, alleviate the stress of that. Um, take, take a bit of a load off their shoulders. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see with the, uh, the protection plan, given how wink likes to, to, to send so many guys that they just try to match numbers for numbers and just load up 12 personnel, just get a bunch of blockers in there. Um, or if they try to spread it out and just throw hot and try to beat the blitz, um, yeah. right. they try to block it up and, and, and cover zero schemes. Like they, they want you to, to throw the screen and throw hot. They get so excited because right. the corner's like, yeah, so it. go get hit someone in the face. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, sorry. I'd lost my train. No, no, that's all right. Yeah. And then <laughs> as another jumping point, going back to Evan Brown and Dexter, it's like, yeah, when you, when you, when you send that many, you're likely forcing man protection and then Dexter can feast because he's getting one-on-one looks. So um, I don't want him to get going. <laughs> um, so I, I hope, I hope that they, that they actually, they, they play heavy up front. The Seahawks do um, and just try to, just try to go number for number with, with the wink Martindale. I don't really want to test fate. I also think Gino's accuracy, he's very, very accurate quarterback, but there are contexts where it tends to dip. And when he's hurried, where it's it's pressure where it's quick pressure like really like unmanageable yeah. quick pressure you can see because he's throwing off platform and then that's when his arm strength does tank and when his arm strength tanks his accuracy tanks doesn't matter how well he anticipates it how well he's processing or sees it that's just when he gets into dicey situations um 
so I, I hope Seattle kind of has a loaded up, be run heavy and play action off of it mindset, um, at least when, when Wink is showing it. If he wants to play coy and kind of send a five-man pressure from a normal-ish look, then fine. Then, then, then just play the card you're dealt. But, um, yeah, if he starts showing, like, crazy activity pre-snap, I hope they just they, they, they bring um, the tight ends in. And that's kind of what they've been doing with these really interesting pistol looks and, like, sidecar looks. Um, I saw that one run out of like a T formation where they had yeah. Kenny and a, a mo- like almost like a jet motion with two lead mm-hmm. blockers in the backfield. That was insane. Yeah, yeah. And at first, I couldn't tell if Waldron's just like screwing around just because he's like, I might as well try this. Um, but I mean, heading into this Giants game, it's it's. I mean, one, it's effective that they're doing it anyway. But I I think it will apply with the Giants um, more than it would have previously just because it's like when they had issues last year and they played even like poor or average defenses when they had bad drives in those games, it was when like Vance Joseph was just sending the house at them. And um, they, they can get into max protect looks so easily now, can't they? Right. With those, those guys in the backfield along with, you know, they're, they've proven to be, relatively diverse like and shift out of that stuff if they need to um and, and those guys uh Noah Fant with his what was it second second highest uh route speed in, in the NFL? Right. yeah over the past few years yeah. it's it's there a very go. balanced formation because they can they can get under center behavior in it via well one under center but also pistol but then they can also get in their their drop back offense out of it because like maddie said that they're, they're not afraid to shift into empty out of 12 personnel yeah. and just run pure drop back with them. So it allows them to access the, their entire offense, basically. Um, but yeah, it's uh wink still knows what he's doing in the long run, at least, you know, whiteboard anyway, his whiteboard stuff. So I'll be, I'll be very intrigued to see who wins that battle. The, uh, the, the protection and blitz design battle. Yeah. It's a younger defense in general too. I mean, it was last year and it was, it, actually was fine but this year that could explain you know winks definitely plays a harder defense or playing two rookies on the outside which is like the first time that's happened going into the season mm-hmm. uh, in like a decade by any team i love deontay banks and i thought he was an awesome pick but um you know he's had trouble staying healthy we'll see i, I gotta ask you guys though um what's up with the jsn well we've just told you keegan the the problem is the, the, the multiple tight end looks are, are so effective. You know, you, you mentioned the, the pressure rates from the, the backup tackles as well. Uh, I, I, there's a lot of consternation, um, but ultimately the, the tight end looks are proving so successful. And JSN, I mean, I'd be interested if you have any, any numbers on him, but from my um, film watching, my anecdotal nonsense, um, he seems to be given good routes, and uh, uh, you know he's not being given routes. Like he gets given routes, he just has less usage with Metcalf and Lockett ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, and then, I, I think he's like due a game. I don't know if it's this game necessarily. Maybe if they need like a quick pressure outlet in the slot and the tight ends aren't doing their thing, uh, maybe if they're just trying to play matchups. Um, but ultimately, he's just been a very kind of glitzy decoy. Like that pick to DK, uh, uh, no, to JSN, where DK Metcalf's route's kind of open on the outside. Um, they ended up hitting that same concept and, and, and hitting DK on the outside route with uh, JSN drawing the coverage inside and, and the underneath layer. Um, yeah, he's just a, I don't think there's anything, you know, surgically repaired wrist, six weeks yeah. off that. 
Uh, he's a rookie receiver, and a lot of these rookie receivers that have blown up over the past few weeks is a rare thing too. So well, like, I don't think. Well, and especially being like a good slot coming from college, like how often does a guy who's mainly known as a slot out of college immediately take the NFL by by storm? Like right. it's it's uh it's a different game, different hash marks, different types of uh, slot mm. matchups, um, just different. Griff, do you have anything to add on that? No, you, you covered it. I think it's just a matter of time uh, type of thing there. So, um, But I do yeah. think, like, Griff made a point in a previous podcast we did about how, like, he was more drafted for, like, beating kind of one high and middle field close stuff, which had we been... Um, <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's just cover one and cover zero, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be this game, but I just think, and that had been Gino's like not weakness per se, but he was slightly worse against one high defense, I believe, than uh, two high. I don't know if uh, your data agrees with that. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Shady recollection, but um, yeah, I think he just needs like a one-on-one in the slot, like a clear one-on-one or. You know, there's occasionally like one of these little angle routes or choice routes from the slot, which Gino probably could have hit. Um, they will just take time. But I, I, he's due a big game, I think. It's just not mm-hmm. probably this game. Or it might be. We, let's, let's see. <laughs> to me, it's like the, the next yeah. evolution of the offense is him. Yeah. He'll be lined up on a dory in the slot. So uh, mm. definitely uh, loses the speed game there, but he might be able to win with some short area quickness. Yeah, we'll see. That'll be. So is, is a dory playing well? Uh, he's playing s- solid. I think uh, last year it was kind of shocking how well he and Fabian Moreau played when they mm-hmm. were healthy. Like they were kind of shut down outside corners when, uh, which was kind of crazy to see. But um, you know, it, it's just been he's kind of been forced to move around a little bit with the injuries. Um, it'll be interesting to see like a a few full games with you know these three guys playing most downs yeah. again and adori if giants playing 45 percent base like adori as a slot guy is not going to be on the field if the starting right they're healthy sure sure so on like the talk of slot corners and I, I i saw this stat and was like whoa that's high um the giants uh playing 44.6 percent base defense which is first in the league but then i reminded myself there's only three games and they've played the 49ers the cowboys in a very kind of run heavy script and then the cardinals who i don't know what they're doing but is that just opponent is that just opponent dictated yeah i looked at it a little bit deeper with like matching like they were matching 12 personnel at about 67 percent base which is higher than league average but it's not crazy but they've faced 20 plays of 22 20 plays of 13 and 20 plays of 21 so wow. i think that's a i think because wink martindale is like known for loving dime he loves getting as many defensive backs out there as possible yeah that's what i thought yeah uh i just don't think they've had a lot of opportunities against 11 personnel and this mm-hmm. week you know with you guys maybe majoring in 12 a little bit more i think that could, could continue to be the case um, it's also been interesting. Isaiah Simmons has only played a quarter of snaps, so it's not and, even and a he's, weird is he so, thing. Is, is, is he categorized as a as a DB or a, a linebacker? Linebacker, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um. Well, Griff, anything else on the defense? 
I don't think so. I think that covers it. They got. Well, I mean, yeah, he, it's it's going to be a battle fought over, you know, the the blitz really, and then the downstream effect from that. And Gino yeah. has been lights out against the blitz this year, um, and just in general, Gino continues to put up top five success rates, and he's the CPO king since uh, yeah. joining Seattle. So, did um, we really need Keegan a picture of Gino Smith with Eli Manning? Hmm. Maybe, you know? maybe that's what I really need. Yeah, just to bridge the gap for this week in solidarity. <laughs> I'm. I thought more of a successor. He was, he Is was it right a, there. Oh, I would have. I would. Uh, yeah, no one was giving Gino a chance back then. Are, are Are you a justice for McAdoo truther? No. no. Okay. <laughs> I was just curious. No. Some no. Giants fans. Uh, well, with that decision specifically, I remember being very angry about it because. Yeah. I was attached to yeah. a stupid record of Eli starting the most games in a row. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think McAdoo was uh, a great gotcha. coach for the Giants. And then it only got worse with um, Joe Judge a, a few <laughs> years later. I actually liked Shermer coming in a little bit, but, yeah, yeah. He just wasn't there. Got you. Okay, finally, we have a very kind donation, but I'm not sure – Keegan will be able to answer this, but we'll see. It seems like uh, something which Keegan wouldn't be able to answer, but I could be completely wrong. Joe, thank you so much for your donation. Is Keegan able to share anything about if and when NFL Pro will release? Also, will pressure pressure probability stats be added? Keegan. Okay, so uh, for NFL Pro, unfortunately, they're not running a beta version this year like they did last year. Um, I can't speak with any certainty about future plans, but I would imagine um, there is a desire to get that productionized and added to the new NFL Plus project at some point in the future. I have no idea when, but uh, trust me, I, I would. Love, we put a lot of work into that too, so I think it'd be really cool for people, not just our media clients, but a lot of people to be able to see a greater host of our stats and use kind of a way better uh, updated version of a film room rather than just uh, relying on game pass. Sure. You can filter for whatever your heart desires, or at least whatever we'll release. There you go, Joe. Good question. And thank you for your donation. As and well. uh, to answer the second part, I, yes, pressure stats would definitely be a part of that. Very cool. Well, make sure you check out that. Make sure you check out, all of the the great stuff at NFL Next Gen stats. Like I, I still can't believe that the the passing charts are publicly available for free. Like yeah, that was awesome. a whole load. That was like seasons of Russell Wilson content. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, along with other quarterbacks. Right in the middle, like the plague. Um, yeah. <laughs> It really uh, streamlines the discourse because we can just go see here, look at it. I'm showing. Yeah, look, I'm right. I'm right, exactly. which is what's important. Exactly. And then, and then, anytime a quarterback does something uncharacteristic, we it's it's um, it relitigates the entire conversation. Oh yeah, it's like oh no, it's different now. See, he, he can do, or can't <laughs> he can or can't do X, Y, and Z. So it's um yeah, you've really you've really popped a live grenade into the into the get- timeline. I got to give a shout out to our uh, absolute stud front end engineer, Ken Reese. He's been with next gen from the start. He's the guy that not only designed all those passing charts and built the infrastructure to create those also those beautiful dots you see every Sunday. Um, beautiful stuff. He, 
he created that as well. So. Go on, lad. I love some dot. I love some all twenty-two dots live. Oh yeah, oh, everyone does. Man, can't beat yeah. it. <laughs> all right, oh. Keegan. Anything else you'd like to promote? Make sure you follow Keegan at Keegan Abdu. I'm not in a dark cave. I promise. <laughs> Griff's just going on one of his uh, late night hikes. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I uh, I do say I will say please tune in to Prime Vision, the alternate broadcast on Thursday Night Football. Um, I think it's a really great viewing experience. You get to see the All Twenty Two. Uh, my good buddy uh, Sam Schwartzstein is popping in with nice little research nuggets that he and I are finding that we're you know. And we're just feeding them in general, you know, a big packet beforehand that they create all these graphics with, and we're feeding them stats in game. It's just we have a 80% hit rate with the content that we give them on TNF Prime Vision compared to a 5% with every other stuff. So you're just seeing a lot more of our stuff, a lot more of our insights. And I think it's a really great viewing experience. I think, especially the prime target um, stuff that they kind of developed in. Uh, concert with us basically a green orb will fall will shine around a uh receiver during the play if um based on the formula that we have created they have more than a 50 percent chance of gaining a first down if they are targeted um hmm. and sam and his team uh the prime vision team put together this cool defensive alert thing that they're slowly rolling out but that'll show you you know pre-snap based on the movements like should the quarterback worry about this guy blitzing or not for off ball players only so wow that's that, that's, that's really cool dope. Uh, yeah i need to like i may or may not have to vpn like I'm, i might do that because every time i see like a clip of it on twitter it's just nuts it's like literally what all football broadcasts should be like i don't know why it's not more common i'm sure it, it will be one day yeah. Sure but, but uh yeah, yeah. but uh, keep it up and uh yeah I'll, I'll look into that vpn because it's very annoying i can't get it in the united kingdom amazon oh, is, that, is that is that what it is you can't get private i believe it's because um like the the company who the, the broadcaster who shows it in the uk they have the rights to every game and so they show the amazon games as well um like so you don't get it yeah it sucks that's a bummer anyway yep. Well, anyway, very niche complaint. Uh, Gr yeah. Griff is just Griff has just had it. He's just left. No, Griff. I'm here. My um my dogs were um getting vocal. Wow, so he's, so, he's such a pro. He's done this before. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, right, we that well, out. you have a great day as you have your whole day in front of you. I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's yeah. three thirty a.m. Oh God, <laughs> you're a hero. You're a goddamn hero. You're a hero, Keegan. Thank you so much for your time and, and uh, enjoy the rest of the football season. All right. I appreciate you it, Keegan. Too. Thanks, See man. Ya. Take care.